When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Christian Eriksen strike saw Spurs finally clinch that first Premier League victory at Wembley. We discuss Saturday's nervy win and build up to Real Madrid in the Champions League tonight as we have the last word on Spurs. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! That is schoolboy's own stuff. And still Ricky Villa. What a fantastic run! He scored! Spurs. As you should know by now, you should be able to follow us across a range of different social media platforms. They include Twitter at Last Word on Spurs. You can also find us on Facebook and also not forgetting Instagram too. Guys, you should also now be able to hear the show across a variety of different audio platforms. They include iTunes, Acast and Audio Boom. On tonight's show, we'll be discussing the 1-0 win at Wembley against Bournemouth, which finally saw us get our first home Premier League victory this season. We'll be taking your questions for our star-studded panel. And finally, just the little events coming up of Real Madrid tonight in the Champions League. What a huge game that's going to be and a bumper show in store. I am pleased to say we have got two debutants joining us. First up, we have got journalist Emma Storey on the show. Emma, how are you? Very well, thank you. Joining Emma tonight, I'm delighted to say we've got the managing editor of Cartilage Free Captain on the Line, Dustin, joins us. Dustin, how are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Thanks uh, for letting a septic plastic with no understanding of Tottenham Hotspur or its history on your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Dustin, I think you're going to be absolutely brilliant in the next hour, so we're really looking forward to it. And last, but certainly not least, we have got Jason McGovern back on the show. Jason, how are you? All good, delighted from Saturday and, and jealous of Emma sitting there in Madrid. Uh, Jace, we're going to start with you tonight. A very, very nervy win on Saturday. We got over the line eventually. How did you see the game Saturday, Jace? Well, we are certainly poor in that first half. Um, all the, the normal faults that we've seen at Wembley, you know, certainly in that Swansea game and, and things like that. We're just incredibly slow, just going side to side, playing in front of the... They're back, no real creativity, no real wits, no pace down the sides. And, um, you know, but for a Hugo save, we'd have, we'd have gone in at half-time behind. But we got that, that early breakthrough in the second half and, and we improved after half-time. But we were still a, a long way from our best, in fairness. And um, we didn't even seem to create that, that little spell of pressure where, you, where you've got a side on the rack for, for you know, a, a good 10-minute solid spell where you win a few corners and there's a few scramble clearances and things like that but 
the most important thing was to pick up those three points and get that first win and, and we did that and hopefully now that, that uh, nervousness we have there will, will disappear. Yeah, I mean, just to give you a second, Jace, we appear to be lined up in a 4-2-3-1 with, I mean, the lot, it was the Tongan starting at left-back due to Davis's illness and Winks in midfield. I mean, we did have the perfect result beforehand with the likes of Man United and Liverpool dropping points. What did you make of that starting selection? Was it a case of that was just what we had available for us? Yeah, I think I think more or less that, that's what it was, wasn't it, in fairness, uh, with Ben Davis being out and... And I suppose the option would have been to do what we did in Applewell and play Trippier one side and, and Aurier the other side on full-backs and keep with the three at the back. But I'm not so sure when we've seen Trippier play on the left, that's really worked. So I can understand the, the formation and I'm never disappointed to see Son start a game, although he was well below his best as well. But uh, we switched pretty... I think we, we probably switched it at half-time. Eric Dyer dropped back. We went back to three at the back, played, played Jan higher up the pitch... But I think at the moment, it's not so much the, the shape of the team. It's about players playing well and being brave on the ball. And, you know, whether we play 4-2-3-1 or we play 3-4-3, the width still comes from the full-backs. We've still got to get players running in and beyond Kane. And, and we're not doing that at the moment. We're, we're not really getting those balls in from the side, at Wembley anyway. And, um, and Son and Ali aren't anywhere near their best form that we saw at the end of last year, at the end of last season, rather. So... I think, you know, it's full more than the, the basic out-and-out formation that's been the problem at Wembley. Yeah, it is indeed. Coming over to you, Dustin. We had a couple of comments in. Cam Quebec says, we were so poor at Wembley. Why was that? Why are we playing so flat? We had Rom Clinate at Orange Spurs say, we look like an, an NBA team with a lack of movement. What did you make in terms of the game itself? Is it just one of those games where, where teams do come against us and put some men behind the ball? It is a case of where we have to try and find a way to break these teams down. Well, I think it's some of both of that. I mean, I, I think we've seen enough of uh, Tottenham at Wembley and against, and even on the road against uh, some of these mid-table and below teams that uh, they they know kind of how to play against Tottenham now. They, they know how to be, how to frustrate us, and that's put lots of men behind the ball, uh, keep very uh, very good defensive shape, uh, and try to disrupt the uh, the channels in the midfield uh, and disrupt the the midfielders, give them less time on the ball. Uh, and, and really kind of set up defensively. This, this kind of, uh, some would say, cynical, ultra-defensive style of play. And to their credit, it's worked for the most time. If you think back to uh, not just this game against Burnhamith, but also the, uh, the Swansea match and, and the game against Burnley. Uh, they, they all kind of set up to frustrate and, def and, uh, and, and defend at most counts and then hit back on the counterattack. Uh, and that's, uh, I, I, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of that, and we're just going to have to get used to it. Uh, when we play those kinds of teams, uh, we're going to have to figure out a way to, to try to pick that lock. Uh, you know, I, I, what Jason said I thought was, was pretty accurate. Uh, there was, uh, you know, a, a really distinct shift in, in the way Spurs kind of came out in the second half when, you know, when they dropped Iyer into the back three. Uh, that, that really allowed, uh, gave more freedom for Trippier and for Vertonghen to, to move up the pitch. Uh, and actually, I thought both of them played very well, especially for Tongan, considering he's playing out of position. Uh, they both had some good crosses in the box. Uh, and just having that different shape allowed a little bit more movement for, for Winks and for Erickson in the midfield. Uh, and I, I, I really think that change of shape is, is ultimately what led to the winning goal from Erickson. Yeah, it most so, did. Yeah, so I mean, it's it, it's it's hard it's hard for me to say that we we played poorly. Uh, I mean, it's easy to say that. I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. I don't think anyone played especially well apart from Erickson, but uh, I don't think anyone made too many egregious mistakes uh, or anyone that I could point to in particular and said they were just bad. I think everyone just kind of came out flat. Uh, but you know, three points are three points, and we got the win, and and uh, I'm okay with that. Uh, those are the kind of ugly games that we have to win if we're going to challenge for the title. Yeah, I agree. It's one of those games you say it's a must-free point to get over the line. Coming to you, Emma, we've got a question in here from Chris Lawton at Indigo Poo, who says, We always seem to be looking for that pinpoint pass, trying to walk the ball in the net. Very pedestrian. It's like watching England at times at Wembley. Sideways passing, little movement off the ball, but a special mention for, Wink, for Winks. A boy put in a shift. Is that how you saw it, Emma? What's your thoughts generally on the game itself? Um. Oh, my God. Absolutely. I more about Harry Winks. I am so proud of him and so impressed with him over the last few weeks. Um, I think he is the kind of player that kind of typifies like somebody who is so hardworking, who is so passionate, who is prepared to do whatever it takes to get where we need 
Um, obviously, I think his England call-up has done him out of good. He obviously had a great performance for them too. Um, I haven't really got like you know enough good things to say about him really. And given that he's now coming to an age where a he's obviously getting a little bit older, but he's also uh, more injury prone. Um, need to see the successor to him and I really feel like Winks could be that successor uh, like a player admittedly but I really feel like I no longer have the fear like, like I used to fear when Dembele was injured and we didn't have that option in central midfield I don't feel that fear anymore now that Winks is performing so well in terms of like the pedestrianism I mean the, the problem with Wembley and it, it's really depressing for me because I was one of the the, the before the season started that really kind of tried to give it the we need to embrace Wembley we need to make it home we need to make the best of it and we just haven't and I do think and this isn't about like a blame game um, but I do feel that the atmosphere in the stands does translate players on the pitch I can't imagine the boys are particularly up for going out at Wembley when they go out and the atmosphere is so flat and things are so quiet and the stands aren't full. It's not what they used to, obviously, when they were at White Hart Lane. You know, we had a full stadium every week, like the ground was quite often rocking. And the players do feed off that kind of atmosphere and that kind of momentum. The problem that we have at Wembley is that when things don't go away immediately, which they didn't against Bournemouth on Saturday, you feel so much like the, I mean, it goes so flat. The atmosphere. I mean, I was watching it, you know, from from Germany, and the atmosphere in the first half, you know, magical. It was so terrible. It was just so flat, so boring. I mean, pedestrian is definitely the word that I would use. I think. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed. I'm allowed. I'm not allowed. You can say whatever you want, Emma. <laughs> well, I would say that I think at half time, like Pochettino gave them the bollocking of their lives because mm. I think when they came out second half, just the, the attitude was just complete paid off literally 90 seconds into the restart Ericsson's got the ball in the back of the net and then the crowd really woke up like the I can honestly say you know from being someone who was watching it on the on the team the the atmosphere in the half sounded an absolute world away you could have been in a different stadium in the second half and I think it, it's, it's a relationship I think the fans got to give some and then the players got to give some and you know look let's all be honest when we start like everybody gets it and everyone who's been there this season particularly if you're a season ticket holder and you're used to years and years of white heart lane Wembley sucks but if we carry on going to that Wembley sucks I think the players are going to continue playing this badly because they, it never feels like they can get energised off the crowd yeah and it, I feel like it, against Bournemouth it was the same against Swansea you know same even, I hate to say it, but even when we played Chelsea, we went 2-1 down and 20-odd thousand people left. There was no like, oh, let's all stay and get behind the boys and see if they can get an equaliser in the last like two minutes. We don't ever get late goals. Um, this is, you know, this, this mentality about Wembley in particular from the fans, I really feel has fed into the players' mindset. And, I, and it's a real shame. And I don't know, I feel like now the day, be done. I think we might be kind of consigned to kind of scrappy performances at Wembley because um, teams are always going to sit back um, against us now. They are going to put loads of men behind the ball because they know that's how we get frustrated. The problem is, is that the fans now get frustrated too. When they're when the boys are away from home, they don't have to deal with that extra weight on their shoulders. Um, you know, team who's set up you know really defensively against them but they don't have everyone on their backs at the same time whereas at Wembley they do and I really think that's where the difference in performance is coming unfortunately. Yeah I think it's a very tough one. I've got to ask you I mean, we're having numerous questions about the game itself in terms of the playing style Saturday I mean getting here a question here from Carl Woodbridge at Top Hole 65 he says what is the answer Jace to breaking down sides who do put the 10 men behind the ball I mean he says Sun is in effective little space maybe we need a Bartley type a strong runner who can beat players and disrupt the shape of a defence. We seem to lack this type of player. Jace, do you think that is an intriguing factor that we need to look at, potentially? Well, we haven't had that type of player for, for a couple of seasons. And um, we've, we've had teams come to White Hart Lane and try and get 10 men behind the ball. And we've we found a way through them. And I think, you know, if, if you look at our, our past few seasons, we have struggled at home pre-Christmas in both of the, the previous seasons. We had some frustrating draws and some really flat performances at home and then it seems to get to Christmas and and our better players start to, to find a lot more rhythm and come back into form. We saw it last year, didn't we, with Ericsson and Ali 
being off until Christmas, and then they came into it. Song was much better. And then we, we go after Christmas, and I think, you know, when I talk about the shape of the team, we won four games last year at home, 4-0, against four teams that all came and wanted to defend deep. We had the, the West Brom and Stoke game. West Brom, I think, came with a back six or seven mm. against us last year. And we played three four threes against them and Stoke, beat them both 4-0. We then played, I think, Watford and Bournemouth at home. They all came to frustrate. We played four two three ones and beat both of them 4-0. But, you know, in each of those games, we had Son, Ali, Eriksson, Kane, all on form, all really crisp, all confident. And when that confidence comes, you start playing the one-touch football. You start naturally playing the quicker football. And we were finding our way through those teams quite comfortably last year, albeit with some some fantastic goals as well. So I think, yeah, you know, we definitely want somebody that, that's comfortable taking, you know, going up against his man and, and trying to go past somebody one against one. And I think the big difference from Saturday, Bournemouth were quite happy to let Sanchez have the ball. You know, they didn't go and close Sanchez down. They let him have the ball. And it was a case of them kind of saying, you, know, you, you pick your way through us. When Dembele's in the team, Dembele does that initial carry, doesn't he? Brings the ball forward 20, 30 yards. And he he starts to suck that first first defender out of position. And from that point on, you start to then play in the, the little holes that that space creates. But, you know, I, I think it's a problem. We just don't have enough forward players on at their best form at the moment. And that's the, the big problem. Yeah, I mean, we have to remember we did win the game, number one. You know, that's the most important thing. We got over the line in a real must-win game. I mean, I said it during the game. I just think to myself, when we use the word hoodoo and we use the word curse, that must not detract from the fact that we have to play with, like we've said tonight, a bit more urgency, higher tempo... Because at the moment we do move the ball, seemingly in that first half we saw, it's far too slow sideways. In order to get results, you have to move the ball quicker, which we most certainly did in the second half. And I mean, coming over to you there, Dustin, I mean, we've got to say Hugo Lloris's save, you know, nil-nil to stop Eric Dyer, you know, nearly scoring his own net. I mean, what a magnificent save that was from Hugo. Well, that's the exact that's the thing that Hugo can bring to uh, to the side is uh, you know and, and it, we we have to kind of start off by saying that that Lloris, I don't think has had an especially outstanding season thus far. Mm -hmm. uh, his distribution has been just a little bit off. Uh, there have been times where he's uh, kind of made a few um, uh, questionable decisions, especially when, uh, when playing that, kind of that sweeper keeper role, uh, where I. It, I, you know, you know he can do it, but my heart still jumps into my throat every time I see him rush off his line and try to make a clearance. Uh, you know, so it, you can say he's he's been phenomenal, but he hasn't been as good, I think, as what we've seen him be in past seasons, especially. Uh, but today, I thought he was fantastic. Uh, you know, that reaction save of uh, that that near own goal, that, I think it came off of Eric Dyer. Uh, I mean, most keepers in the world are not going to make that kind of stop, but that's the kind of thing that Hugo can do. Uh, you know, and Spurs have a really good defense, but just knowing that you have a keeper of that caliber that is between the sticks uh, and that can mop up and make those kinds of stops whenever the defense does break down, that's invaluable. Uh, Hugo won the game for us there. Uh, I, I think w without him, I, I can't. I'm not sure if we would have gotten the second goal uh, in order to break a potential deadlock if he had let that one slip by. So, I mean, fair play to him. That was a fantastic game for him. I was really pleased. Yeah, coming over to you, Emma. What did you make of that save at nil nil? Because to be fair, that goes in completely different game on our hands potentially. Oh my god! Like I'm, the thing is, is I, I really feel like Hugo sometimes doesn't get enough credit and I know that sounds ridiculous because I know how much like you know we love him he's our captain he's captain of France but I think uh, I think Dustin really hit the nail on the head there like you know if he hadn't made that save I think it might have been quite a difficult way back for us in that match and there have been a number of times where he has done that where it's you know everything looks lost and he gets that that fingertip you know that toenail whatever it is to keep the ball out that should be going in the back of the net. And that gives us the belief to keep going. Um, I mean, I do, I, I, I've always said like Hugo for me is just one of the best keepers in the world. I think the only thing that ever lets down really is his distribution from kicking, which still to this day, I do not understand how it's so bad when he is so good at everything else. Um, I think we should be really grateful that we have him. I think we should be really grateful that he stuck with us as well um, because he probably could have gone elsewhere. Um, particularly when we weren't doing as well in the league um, as we have done the last couple of seasons. Um, and I think it it's easy for us to kind of be like, oh, you know, he have an off day, or 
Hugo's only been okay. I think it's because the standard he has set for us when we're watching him is so high mm. that anything below that high standard makes everyone go, oh, I don't know, like, Hugo's had an off day. It's like, well, he's not really had an off day. He's just not been, like, 99.9% as he always is usually, you know? Um, I feel like we're a little bit spoiled. And I do feel a little bit we're a little spoiled with our football in general. Like, I know we've talked a lot about how the style of play wasn't great against Bournemouth on Saturday, how we've seen against, like, so-called lesser teams in the league. It's very pedestrian, it's very slow. But it's kind of, I feel, a little bit spoiled because we're so used to seeing some amazing high tempo, high pressing, one touch, slick passing. Um, that when we don't get it, all of a sudden we're like, oh, well, this is so terrible. It's like, I, I sometimes feel like we need to put it into a little bit of context. Like, it's really not terrible. Not judging the way that we used to play like 15 years ago. No, very that true. was terrible. Mm. This is not terrible. Like, we're never going to be able, I hate to say it, but however much we want to go out and, you know, play the way we played against Dortmund when we beat them 3-1. We can't play that way every week against every team. It just doesn't happen. Not even Manchester City could say that they're having that right now. So, you know, I think we just, we need to take a little bit of a perspective and reality check sometimes and just be like, you know, we can't smash it every week. The point is about Saturday was that a win is a win. Um, and the day when obviously Arsenal also lost and Liverpool and Manchester United dropped points against each other, it was pretty much the most important result in, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, going into half-time, you had a great point there. You know, lights of 0-0 at half-time. We saw Man United, Liverpool dropping points beforehand. We then got our result. We then see Arsenal drop points later on. You know, it's been a fantastic... You know, and Chelsea also, let's not forget them, they also dropped points. So really, as a weekend, don't think you can ask for much more than that. You know, Man City against Stoke, you'd probably say that was a given for Man City to win that. I mean, they are blowing teams away at the moment. There's no doubt about that. Jason's come across to you because it's funny. You look at that second half when we started it, and it was in complete polar opposite to the first. We came out with so much more energy. And I think Emma made that great point that, no doubt, Pochettino gave the team an absolute bollocking at half-time. I mean, Ericsson, the go-to guy for us, Jace, at so many occasions this season, is at it again, Jace. Yeah, it was important to get that breakthrough early. But, um, you know, as much as a rocket, they probably dig it at half-time. We just got that little bit of little bit of fortune, didn't we, with a goal where, where was it, Simon France is just... Just for some reason, seemed to launch into a tackle that he didn't seem to make, and the ball kind of broke back to Ericsson, didn't he? I mean, if he makes a, if he stayed on his feet, the defender, he clears the ball quite comfortably, type of thing. And and you know, who knows how long it would have then taken us to break through. But I mean, the important thing was that we got that goal, and it was a was a really cool and composed finish from Ericsson, wasn't he? And in those positions, you know, he's not going to panic and, and lash at something. Like, like one or two others might do, and he just picked his spot and, and put it in the corner. Was a was an excellent finish from from what we know is a, a classy player. Yeah, he's now scored seven goals alongside an assist in his last ten games for club and country. Three goals in his last five Premier League games. Christian Eriksen. I mean, the guy at the moment, you've got to say, he's one of the best out there. I just find it amazing he doesn't get maybe the recognition he deserves outside of Spurs fans because really he's carried Denmark like we said last week to the World Cup qualifiers phenomenal phenomenal player another guy that I thought had a cracking game on Saturday and he has to get a mention is Jan Vertonghen now coming over to you Dustin being in the States I don't know obviously what it's like over there in terms of the coverage because out of world is seen as obviously the uh, Tottenham's most dominating maybe centre-back but without Jan this partnership coming over to you, Dustin, like we say, doesn't work. It's such a great telepathic partnership, isn't it? And we'll throw Sanchez into that as well, the three of them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, first of all, as far as coverage in the States goes, I think that's kind of ironic that I think I can actually watch more football over here, more Premier League football over here than <laughs> I think you can the UK. Very true. Um, <laughs> but no, as, as far as Jan goes, uh, you know, that's the thing. I thought he had a very good game at left back. And it's it's a position that he uh, has played before. He plays it a lot for Belgium in particular. And we know he can play there, even though he probably doesn't particularly like to do it. Uh, so for him to be able to come in as a kind of a makeshift left back and really put in a, a nice shift was a really good thing to see. Uh, but the thing about Vertonghen playing out left as a left back is that what it does is that it, it takes away that what, what you what you said, that telepathic partnership between him and Vertonghen, which has been so good. Uh, you know, those two were they formed the best uh, defensive partnership, I think, in the Premier League the past two seasons. They've been kind of on the same wavelength the entire year. Uh, and so moving him out, there's a chance that that kind of disrupted the balance a little bit. And I think maybe you saw a little bit of that in the first half mm -hmm. uh, when we were in the 4-2-3-1. 
And it's not that Davidson Sanchez was bad. I don't think he was. But there were a couple of moments there where Sanchez got himself into a couple of positions where, uh, you know, on another day he might have uh, given up a bad foul or led to a free kick or might have given the ball away. He had a couple of passes that were kind of telegraphed in the defense. Uh, like I said, he was not bad. But uh, you, you could tell there wasn't the same kind of connection between uh, Alderweireld and, and, and Sanchez as we have with uh with uh, Vertonghen. That said, when they're in the back three, I think uh, this has been, I think, a tactical genius uh, plan from from uh, Mauricio Pochettino. Uh, the back three, putting uh, Sanchez in the middle of the of that back three with uh, Vertonghen and Alderweireld flanking him on either side, uh, I think it's been really well. It's been worked out extremely well because it's allowed Sanchez, in particular, to be able to uh, you know play to his strengths as a defender, as a young defender in particular. Uh, and then he's got these two veteran um, defenders on either side of him. Uh, that uh, are able to kind of get forward a little bit more launch balls from deep over the over the top of the midfield uh, and, and also kind of uh, range forward, in particular with Jan, uh, in, in, into the midfield. That's getting a little bit far away from the point. But Vertonghen, I thought, did, did very well. Uh, he got forward with, with aplomb. He had some really nice crosses in the box, I thought, that uh, uh, really, really showed his versatility there. I don't want to see him there very often because of the point I just made. But, uh, you know, if, if we have to play him at left back, uh, against Madrid, uh, then, you know, I, there, there would be worse options, I think. Yeah, I agree. Coming over to you, Emel, we've had a couple of questions in. We've got Nick saying, would this have been Jan's best game of the season for us? Is Rose now third choice? We've had Helena say, how good was Vertonghen today? Can we say he's more vital to the team than Alderweire? What do you make of that, Emma? What, where do you see him in your eyes? How far on a pedestal is he for you? I mean, I think the telepathic partnership between Jan and Toby, and I think... Jan gets not the same level of recognition as Toby does, but I think without him, um, Toby doesn't isn't as effective and vice versa. Jan is not as effective without Toby. Uh, I think Jan's versatility is something actually which sets him apart a little bit from Toby. And I think obviously we saw that on Saturday. Um, the other thing that we mustn't forget as well is he obviously became um, Belgium's record um, holder last yep. week as well. Indeed. Which um, is an incredible when you think of the calibre of for Belgium over the years mm. um, I think it's not so much that we don't recognise him for the player that he is but I think perhaps outside of Spurs and outside of Belgium he gets to, he gets overshadowed by Toby um, I wouldn't say necessarily honest that um, his performance against Bournemouth was the best I've ever seen him play for us mainly because it's Bournemouth like without being we have you know there are higher calibre opponents to play than that where if you really play the way that you should play then that's a much kind of bigger feather in your cap but I do feel it it rates up there as one of his best in terms of the versatility that he showed on Saturday most definitely yeah I agree I really do I think Vertonghen at the moment this season for me I think he's been one of the standout performers he's really really risen to the occasion and we've seen it under Poch the improvement of him as a player I think, like I say, goes no end, but there's so many under Poch that have really, really improved. Jace, I want to bring it back round to you. Um, we've got a couple of questions in that I need to ask you, Jace. People were asking about the, the lack of pace very quickly. I don't want to focus on the negatives too much. Was that a concern for you Saturday, Jace? Maybe the, the lack of pace in the team? I mean, does Nkudu deserve a run out? Or are you going to argue that, look, the players at the moment, we're getting the results. Why change it? Well, I think the, the problem is, you know, if Nkudu does come in, who's... Who are you going to leave out the side? That that's the problem. Um, I, I've always said I'm, I'm a big fan of pace in the team as long as it has an end product and it has quality with it. Um, you know, when we had Lennon, we had Andros Townsend and, and players like that. We had pace, but we didn't always get the quality. And, and you look at the boy Traore at Middlesbrough last year. He had express pace, but yes, then yeah. never did anything with it. Whereas whereas the Hazards, Mane. Sane and that, they've got pace, but then they have real quality on the end of it. So pace in itself isn't enough. It's still got to come with the quality on the end of it. Yeah. Just thinking of you, Jace, what did you make of Sissoko's introduction in that last 15 minutes? Because for me, the energy he showed, I mean, a lot of people will say, look, for the money we've spent for him, from him, that's the minimum we should be seeing. But do you not agree, Jace, that at the moment we are seeing a player potentially being transformed here by Pochettino? Is that going OTT for you? Well, he certainly brought a little bit of energy to it, to the, the game, but I think, in, in fairness, it was it was easier for him to to do that because obviously we were then into the last fifteen minutes when Bournemouth then did start to to really try and push for for an equaliser and thing. Whereas perhaps if 
you know, if Sissoko wouldn't have been able to make a couple of those runs in that first half because Bournemouth were, were never in our, our half of the pitch other than one time. So, you know, he had the space and the, the tactical shape of the game had then changed for him to show that quality. But um, he certainly made an impression. It's just a shame he, he, he couldn't have just made that slightly better pass to Uncuda and maybe Uncuda would have got his first goal. Yeah. Coming over to you, Dustin, what's the stateside view on Sissoko? Is the perception changing over there? Because I'm, I imagine, like the English view over here, when Sissoko first came on the scene, there was a lot of um and ah in thinking, is this player going to have a Spurs career? But you have to say, in this last, what, four to six weeks, three months, we're seeing a player potentially now looking to be what we would say is a Pochettino-type player. The energy there he's showing when he does come on, he's taking his opportunity. I don't think you can ask much more of the bloke at the moment. How are you seeing it from your perspective, Dustin? Well, I mean, I think if you would read our site, and if we had read our site from, from the beginning, we're, we're actually about, uh, most of our readership, eh, about two-thirds of it is American, but we do have a fairly sizable English contingent as well, uh, who, who uh, often contribute as well. And we have a couple of English contributors. Uh, that said, I, I think if you were to read our site from the beginning, none of us were very thrilled with, with uh, the signing of Sissoko at all at the beginning, uh, kind of knowing what we knew about him at, at Newcastle, uh, coming into it, uh, none of us were particularly thrilled. Uh, and I think last season uh, didn't help things at all. Uh, we were ready. We were really hoping uh, that I think Spurs would kind of offload him in the summer. But that said, uh, you know, I, I think it's what you say is completely fair uh, in, in that uh, he has really kind of turned things around. I'm not sure quite what the difference is. Uh, part of it, I think he, he's mentioned in, in interviews before that he had a full preseason with the club and that certainly would help things. Uh, and we've also seen that it does sometimes take a year for uh, players who come into a Pochettino side to really kind of get the tactics and, and the uh, the level of intensity of the training and, and all that. And we saw that with Sung Hung Min as well, uh, where it took him like a year to kind of get acclimated. And I think we're seeing part of that as well. I also think, though, that one of the differences that we're seeing with uh, with Sissoko in particular is that he's playing more uh, in central midfield, which I think is his probably his best position. Uh, you know, when he's been playing further up the pitch and kind of on the flank, he really hasn't shown a whole lot of end product. He's looked kind of listless with the ball, or else he, you know, has kind of had the, the touch of a marble column. Uh, but I think in, in central midfield, especially paired with someone like Eric Dyer uh, or Musa uh, Dembele, uh, he's really more able to uh, kind of play to his strengths uh, and, and he's able to kind of get forward a little bit more through midfield, make some better runs and doesn't always maybe have quite the pressure. I don't think he's ever going to be the kind of player that we thought we signed. Uh, he's never going to be a, a 30 million pound player. Uh, he just won't. But, uh, you know, if, if he can come in right now, he's the perfectly adequate squad player. And I don't think we can ask too much more of him. He's doing coming in. He's doing a job. He's playing pretty well for the most part. I thought he had a great game. A uh, little cameo there uh, against Burnhamuth on, on Saturday. I, I thought he, he's been fine. And as long as he keeps uh, you know, providing that kind of energy and that kind of athleticism, uh, I, I'm, I'm okay with keeping him around. Yeah, I agree. And it was so important to finally get that win over, well, win at Wembley in the Premier League. I mean, that now, Tottenham Hotspur, they've now won three of their last five games at Wembley. And they're keeping three clean sheets in the process. And now I'm beating in five. Whisper it quietly. Maurizio Pochettino, <laughs> after the game, um, he was quoted by, well, Daniel Lewis of the Mirror, who was asked, his first question was, so you're a two-man team now in reference to Pep Guardiola's I'm not sure what to say. Outburst the other week when he said Tottenham were a Harry Kane team. Maybe there's been too much made of that. Jason, very quickly, just want to get your thoughts on it because we've got so much to get through tonight. Was you a little bit surprised by Pep's choice of wording last week or is it again a case of lost in translation, far too much being made of it? I thought, um, in fairness to Guardiola, when he's talked about Tottenham in his time, he's, he's always been incredibly complimentary about us. And uh, I thought it was more of a of a praise of Kane rather than uh, the, the way it got taken by loads of people as a, as a one-man team thing. And I think Pochettino, when he was asked about it Friday, could have just almost laughed it off. And I was a little bit surprised that he went as strong in criticism as he did once he started to say it was disrespectful, it was sad. Pep kind of gets excited and a little bit ungentlemanly after games. And I thought, that's you know, I'm not so sure we needed to go down that route because... I think, you know, further down the line when we play City, it will now get built up into a, a big grudge match between Pochettino and, and Guardiola. And it's the type of comments that you can just see 
snow the, the snowball effect, can't you, leading up to that game. And um, the media love nothing more. I mean, Emma will know that. They love it when they get good copy. They love it when there's a, a little bit of a managerial scrap and it gives them something to write about all week. And, you know, I, I thought, you know, it was just something, just laugh it off, just say, yeah, well, we beat Manchester City last year without mm. Kane and we've got a better defensive record and, and just leave it at that, just kind of laugh it off. I was surprised Potch bit as much as he did. Yeah, Emma, for you, I suppose as a journalist, you love yeah. this kind of, I don't know, this kind of event where you get this kind of stuff take place at a press conference, you have all these stories come out. For you, though, as a, as a Spurs fan as well, was you a little bit surprised by Pochettino's defence? Was it a little bit too strong from Poch? Are you surprised? Because normally there is that thing where Poch always seems to be the nice man in the media. And it was so strange seeing him come across in such a different way of really standing his ground. Is it just a case of maybe reminding you know, certain managers out there that, listen, watch what you say, because I, I can defend myself and I don't mind doing so? Well, I think it's a combination of things. I think what people forget is that um, Poch and Pep have history from La Liga. He was in charge at Espanyol. Um, so I'm not entirely surprised, to be honest, um, that he bit the way that he did. Uh, I would also say, to be fair to Guardiola, I kind of agree with Jason that I think um, he actually meant it more as a compliment towards Kane than he did an insult towards Tottenham. Um, I think it's fair to say Pochettino did kind of want to put him in his place a little. I think he is probably sick of hearing to not get the credit they deserve in terms of the way the team as a whole. You know, obviously, so much is made of Kane. He is our poster boy. He is our goal-scoring hero. He is one of our own. But the bottom line is, quite frankly, is it could do a lot of what he does without the strength of the team behind him. Um, I think Pochettino, like a lot of Spurs fans, is a little bit fed up of that credit not being given where it's due. And so I'm actually not that surprised, really, to be honest, that he bit, because when it comes to that particular angle of not getting the and then also had with Pep in the past, I don't, I'm, I'm not surprised, really. But it is, I think it is interesting that so, so usual that he's the kind of nice guy of the media, he's the gentleman. But we have to remember, like, you know, he has got a fire in him, you know, when he was a player, he was a nasty of work. No, you wouldn't. You made a great point there about the fact we've seen it in the past that when players have crossed him, they don't last at the club very, very long. So I'll be interested to see when we come on to Mr. Rose shortly um, in yeah. terms of the Real Madrid build-up, how that is going to go. So I tell you what, I mean, Poch did say after the game very quickly that it was so important to get that first win at Wembley. He acknowledged it wasn't a great performance. We made some mistakes in our positional game, so he's the first one to admit that. Eddie Howe, on the other hand, now he said he thought they were in the game for pretty much the most of it, which you can't disagree with. Um, which he also said from his perspective, it hasn't happened too many times when he's gone away to Tottenham. So that tells you again the far praise that a lot of people have for Spurs, that you know he was just thankful to stay in the game for as long as they did, but disappointed not to have picked up a result. So we're going to talk about Maurizio Pochettino's new book, which is called Brave New World. This is a book written by Guillaume Balagay. Um, Jace, I want to come across to you first. We've got a couple of questions on this. Now, one from Gilly, who always writes into us, who says, do you think the timing of it, Jace, is helpful to the team? And I think that's a really good point because it's a bit of an odd time, Jace, to release this book because I don't want to be kind of disrespectful. We haven't won anything. We're at a stage in the season where everything's going well. There is an element to it, Jace, where apparently quotes are going to come out next week with regards to... Eric Dyer's potential summer move to Manchester United. Do you think we could have done without this chase right now? It's a tough one. I think, you know, first of all, the book's obviously got official approval because, you know, there's quotes in there from Daniel Levy, there's quotes in there from players, the management staff, and Jesus Perez on his own Twitter feed gave it the, the thumbs up yesterday. And I think Pochettino also made a, a light reference to it off, off microphone today so they're obviously all quite comfortable about it and there's there's some strange revelations in there isn't there about Daniel leaving buying Bentleys and things like that um, so I get the feeling that probably within the club they're all quite comfortable with it but yeah there's a danger in, in how it's seen from outside the club certainly I think you know fans of other clubs and the media will pick it up as well if everything's this perfect at Spurs and Spurs is the the perfect place to be, then why haven't they won a trophy? And there might also be one or two agents out there that, that say, well, hold on, if Daniel Levy could reward Pochettino with a with a brand spanking new Bentley, you know, perhaps 
perhaps he should have rewarded one or two of you with a with a bigger paycheck. Um, and I think there'll also be the the fans' reaction when that Eric Dyer story comes out. You know, will fans jump over him and criticise him in the way they have at Danny Rose? And you know, will will he be scapegoated if he, he suddenly has a bad game and people say, well? How committed is he to the club? So, you know, until the whole book comes out, it's difficult to judge and we've read everything ourselves. But I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to, to, to going out and buying it and, and reading it. And I'm sure when I do my 12-hour flight home soon, that, that'll be all that, that's on the flight for me. Yeah, but, I mean... So, yeah, strange strange timing a little bit. Um, but then Christmas is coming up, isn't it? So it's the perfect Christmas present for everyone. Yeah, perfect Christmas present. Coming over to you, Dustin. Can you understand it? Because I, I will repeat what I've said there. We, we haven't got over the line anything at all. There is that argument that normally you would, would release this kind of book when you've, don't mean to be rude, achieved something. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's, he's achieved great things at Tottenham in terms of taking us on progression-wise. But can you understand the timing of it, just out of interest? Oh, yeah, I think I, I think I can. I can understand what there might be some concerns. I mean, I think I come across this uh, from a different perspective, being, being an American... Uh, you know, this this doesn't bother me as much, maybe as it would uh, to you know to, to a lot of the Brits who are listening to this podcast. Uh, it just for me, I'm I'm more interested. First of all, I, I'm hoping to be able to read it soon. I'm I'm, I'm supposed to be getting a, an advanced copy when the oh, embargo right, okay. lifted on Monday. Uh, but uh, you know, from the excerpts that I've read in the mail and and elsewhere, uh, the, the thing that that strikes me about about Pochettino is that it is the level. It's, I, I view it as a way of getting a really good insight into Pochettino's mind. Uh, that we don't always get, and and there's there's always something a little bit lost in translation. It seems like when, whenever he gives a press conference, and, you know, English is a second language. Uh, and while he's, I think he's, he's his English is very good, and it's continually getting better. Uh, you know, there you know there's a, a, a an incredible brain, incredible football brain in there, uh, and it doesn't always get communicated to, uh, through the media because he has to communicate in what is essentially his second language. So in, in that sense, I'm I'm really looking forward in this insight to be able to kind of see uh, in, in a greater amount of detail uh, just how does Pochettino work? Uh, you know, how, how does he set up his tactics? Uh, what is he thinking about when, when he sets up these training regimens? Uh, how does he motivate his players? Wh what does he do? What's in his brain? What's he thinking of? And, and how does he get the most out of those players? Because, you know, the results are there. We can see it in, in the way that he's developed not only the players that are in this first team, but also the way he's brought in uh, and developed uh, teams out of the academy over the past few years. Uh, and so I'm I'm really, for me, th this this... The timing of it is fine for me because I, I really want to read this. I want to know. I want to understand more about how he works and how he operates and uh, and and why he's able to get the kind of results not only here but also at Southampton uh, and even Espanol going back that far. So uh, for me, like bring it on. I, I want to read it tomorrow. Yeah. Well, just to let you guys know, the release date of it, as I know, is the 26th of October. If you're a lucky man like Dustin, you're having an advanced copy shipped to you soon. So if you can find an advanced copy. Get on it, because I do think it's going to be a great book. Maybe I question the timing of it, but there is some fabulous quotes in there, and I have to steal a couple and read them out. Um, Daniel Levy, now he said, I've always said to Maurizio that I want him to be a partner, that when he signed a contract here for five years, it was a massive commitment for the club, but it was on the basis that we were really going to commit to each other. I want Maurizio to be the Sir Alex Ferguson of Tottenham Hotspur. He has the most fantastic opportunity to be that. I have full confidence that he can do it. We're so aligned in where we want to be. I would love nothing more than Maurizio to still be our manager in 10 to 15 years' time. I mean, it whets the appetite, Emma. Lovely to read. <laughs> Are you drooling about that, potentially? Those quotes that came out yesterday, I think it is. Indeed. Oh, my God. Like, I honestly made my heart skip a beat. Like, for me, it's like the dream. It mm. really is. Like, I to hear Levy speak like that, remember this that fired like 15,000 managers in the space of like six seasons. Hey, maybe it was 15,000, but you know what I mean. I, I mean, mean, we went through, you know, managers quicker than, I don't know, Eric through hair gel, like it was ridiculous. And mm. to hear him talk that way about a manager that we currently have installed in this club, um, to hear him talk about him wanting to be there for the long term, about having a part, I, I don't know, I might be old fashioned, I might be getting old. I It makes me feel really emotional about this is actually um, a partnership and a relationship that's actually about protecting our club and about what our club is about. And, um, you know, there's another quote from that same article where he talks about the fact that, you know, Pochettino had the picture of Bill Nicholson mm. um, at the gates of White Hart Lane and how he wants to be. 
and that okay, that brought I'm sorry I know I'm a girl but it brought a tear to my eye like thinking about that I just thought for know, to understand the history of our club in that way to understand how important Bill Nicholson was to us is like it always takes me back to the, the finale at White Hart Lane last season when we stood on the pitch mm. um, at the end of the game we were having the ceremony and the look on his face yeah. he got it he did everything about right there right now as it was happening and I don't feel like I've ever had a connection with a manager like that where I felt like he has understood our club mm. for no, what, it, what it is and so for me like I yeah I, I don't know I might be myself here I might be going I'm thrilled absolutely thrilled to hear Levy talk about Pochettino like Pochettino talk about I'm not worried about the book coming out um, of course, there's going to be things in there that I think people are not necessarily going to enjoy. You've mentioned the Eric Dyer um, stuff that's going to come out next week. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to say that um, Dyer did not behave in the same way as Danny Rose did. No, good point. Uh, he did not go to another national newspaper and air his dirty laundry. He got his head down, no comment. He just carried the season. It did or didn't happen, like for whatever reasons that didn't happen. And obviously, we're really glad that he's still at the club. Um, but he's just got on with it. Like, there's been no noticeable dropping of the head from him. And so I think that our fans are slightly bigger than that in the fact that they're not going to take, you know, interest in him from a club like Manchester United and, and turn it against him as a player is what is what I hope. So, I mean, you know, the, the good thing about it coming out now is it's not during a transfer window. So even if people say that, oh, it might be unsettling this player or that player or it's airing our dirty laundry, it's like, well, there's nothing anyone can do about it anyway because there's no transfer window open. So actually, I'd kind of rather it came out now than came out in the summer or came out in January. So, you know, I'm I'm excited to read really can't wait. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I mean, also in terms of the book, Pochettino actually talks about Harry Kane, how he's initially carrying too much fat and Pochettino eventually won him over to become, in Harry Kane's views, one of the best managers in the world. That's Harry Kane's word. And Deli Ali speaks about the impact Pochettino and his assistant Jesus Perez have had on his game so far. They told him when they first met him, they didn't like him. It was only a joke. And like we said, we've seen Deli, no, no doubt, has grown much fond of Pochettino and vice versa. And who can forget the celebrations of Deli's wonder goal against Crystal Palace. And finally, Pochettino touches upon, in the book, how he would love to manage England one day because he likes the honest and aggressive mentality of English players. Let's hope it's a long way away because we have had some quotes last night, which you guys may have been uh, recognised to, where he actually has come out and said that he would love to sign a 10 to 15 year contract with Tottenham Hotspur. So that if that happens, I think there'll be a lot of happy, happy Tottenham fans out there. Let's wait and see if Daniel Levy gets that contract out. Hopefully that will follow Toby Alderweireld as well. So much to talk about, guys. We have to now move on to the big one tonight, Real Madrid. Jace, I get the feeling for you, you are really, really excited for this game because you've always spoke in glowing terms about Real Madrid, what it means to you in terms of seeing your Tottenham up against them. Tell us what you think because I always think, Jace, you always use that word gamecraft. We're going to need bags of it, Jace, aren't we tonight? Well, they're, them and Barcelona are the, the absolute masters, aren't they? They, they know exactly how to bully referees and make sure they manipulate them to get their own way. They'll go down at every opportunity. They'll break our rhythm. They'll suck us into silly fouls, silly mistakes. They, they will use the ultimate... They, they are the ultimate gamecraft side. Um, as, as well as having all the talent and, and things they've got, you know, just, just one look at Sergio Ramos and, and how he can affect people on the pitch. So it's going to be a, a cracking night. And I think, you know, the important thing is whatever happens in the game, that we really learn and, and take some of the game craft that they show into, into so many of the, the big games that we've got coming up. You know, the away game at Man United, how, how Real Madrid will kill the game, how they'll, they'll you know, they'll, they'll switch the tempo in and out. And, and it's all those types of things that I think we still need to learn. And, and that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah, Jason, just sticking with a second, third in the Liga, won five out of eight, drew on the other two and losing one. What have you made of their start to the season so far in the Spanish league? Well, their start, uh, their home start, is has been really, really poor, hasn't it, by their standards? Um, and I think they had almost exactly the same record as we got at Wembley, haven't they? 
in the in La Liga. Yeah, I think it's a mirror. But, yeah, it's a mirror image of it. But you know, I look at it and I think 118 Champions League games, of which they've won 92 at home. You know, 23 games since their last home defeat in the in the Bernabeu in the group stage, and, and of those 23, they've won 21 of the games. Champions League nights they get up for, and um, you know, let's be fair, it's going to be a, an incredibly tough ask. The one the one good thing is when you look at their their and you isolate just them in their Champions League at home. They've actually conceded quite a few goals in, you know, I think 118 games, they've let in 97. So, you know, they do concede goals at home. I think they've only kept a clean sheet, you know, just over half the number of games they've played in that time. So hopefully we'll have a have a chance to get something from the, from the mm. evening. And then it's a case of, do we hang on and, and make sure that we get, you know, it would be fantastic to get a point, wouldn't it? It would indeed. Let's come over to you, Dustin. So, in terms of the game, we've had a lot of injury news before. Apparently, Sergio Ramos contracted a vomiting bug a couple of days before, but he was fit enough to play in their league game, so it looks like he is going to play tonight against us. But Gareth Bale won't against his former club. Is that a positive for you, Dustin? What do you think? Because Bale, on his day, is a phenomenal plan. You would think, against us especially, he'd be wanting to put on a show. So, could it work in our favour? Oh, oh, I don't know. I mean, the thing about Madrid is that they are just stacked at virtually every position. Yeah. And and while, um, you know, while, uh, you know, l not playing against Gareth Bale, there's a lot of narrative associated with that matchup, right? I mean, yeah. there's a... Uh, uh, just a lot of a lot of baggage that kind of comes with that matchup. There still is already with uh, with Luka Modric already being on the team, uh, and will no doubt play against be playing against him tonight as well. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, uh, not playing against Gareth in terms of a footballing thing it, that's a positive. But uh, you know, you'd like to think that if we're going to get a point, it sure would be a lot more fun to get a point against Gareth and Luka than it would just be against Luka. Uh, um, I, I don't know. Uh, it's it's. Uh, it looks like likely that we're going to that he will be available when uh, for the return fixture at Wembley. Uh, so I think we'll probably get that that kind of welcome home kind of you know return to the club kind of uh, matchup that we all that the media especially is really kind of champing for. Uh, but but I, you know I, I don't know if it makes a huge amount of difference. They still have Ronaldo. They still have Benzema. Uh, you know they they have all this, this incredible talent. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if it will necessarily make a difference in terms of uh, us being able to, to nick a result off of them or not. Uh, I'd like to think so, but mm. I, it's Madrid. Yeah, full of quality, aren't they? Full of quality. James, before I go around to Emma very quickly, I just want to get your thoughts on Gareth Bale's absence from this one. What's your thoughts on that? Would you have liked to see him play against us? Yeah, I, I have to admit, I would do. I, I think it, it might increase our chances of getting a result, but um, I think it's a minimal percentage increase with that bow. And overall, yes, I, I definitely wanted to see Gareth, Gareth Bow in the side. And little Luca, Jace, up against little Luca, what are you going to make of that battle in midfield? If, if Dembele, if he's fit, if we can get him playing, Jace, that's going to be a really, really examination of our midfield, isn't it? I think, in fairness, mate, it's it's head to head all over the pitch. I don't think there's one particular matchup that we we've got to win ten out of the ten outfield battles. In my opinion, you know, Luca's a fantastic player. Tony Cruz is a fantastic player. Mm. Marcello will will give us problems. Benzema, you know I mean, the yeah. list goes on, doesn't it? Who's who's going to look after Isco? Who's going to look after Asensio if Bale doesn't, or rather, with Bale not playing? You know, and then then of course there's Ronaldo who. Just has this habit, doesn't he? I mean, of just scoring goals at such a rate that invariably he pops up and does something. Yeah, well, Harry Kane also does have a great scoring rate. Let's hopeful. Let's be well. Let's be hopeful. He's got his shooting boots on for tomorrow night. Emma, coming around to you very quickly. Firstly, Gareth Bale, are you upset to see him miss out on this one? Yeah, I am. Um. It would have broken my heart a little bit if he'd scored against us, but I, I was looking forward to seeing him um, in the Bernabeu tomorrow night, and I am sad that we won't. And I mean, the thing is, is that I think it's kind of like the guy as I said before. It doesn't really matter what eleven Madrid put out there; they are going to be incredibly difficult to even get a result off, let alone. Be. So I think you know you can look well. Gareth not playing takes some of the emotion out, takes sort I don't know Spursiness out of it that he would. would against us but in terms of like does the game any easier for us to win um no i actually don't really think it makes that much of a difference um and his form has been patchy i think it's fair to say he's had a lot of trouble with injuries over the last 12 months and um yeah i think as an actual 
fourth against us. I don't think it really makes that much of a difference that he's playing. I think emotionally is kind of where the where the difference is. Um, but having said that, um, I think I mean I, I'm obviously here in Madrid again. I'm going mm. to the Bernabeu tomorrow night, like so many others. Um, oh, sorry, or tonight, I should say, like so tonight. many others. Um, I, yes, tonight. I was in the Bernabeu six years ago when uh, we played them and Crouchy lost his head and disappeared off after 20 minutes. And then we got an absolute humiliation uh, at the hands of Ronaldo and co. Um, to be honest, as long as badly as that tomorrow night, I think I'll be happy. I mean, if, if we got a point, I would be delirious. Mm. But I mean, what we've got to remember is that um, we are in an excellent position in the group and that regardless of what happens tomorrow, provided we can get something off them at home, in pole position to go through in the group. Right, Jay, it's going to come round to you. Danny Rose, now, this is the topic of debate, isn't it? He's apparently got one more session last night to have proved to force his way into that starting lineup. Just bearing in mind the other options we do have for potential at left back, including Vertonghen, Trippier, KWP. What would you do, Jase, if you're Maurizio Pochettino tonight? I'd have, I'd have got a, a better doctor to Ben Davis and make, no. make sure whatever I did, I, I, I stuffed him up with tablets or something. No, I think, you mm. know, forget about what happened with Danny Rose in the summer. When you've been out for 10 months, I wouldn't think Real Madrid away is the, is the ideal first game back. And, I think Pochettino has indicated that it will be a bench, but yeah. But uh, you know, playing Cole Walker pieces at left back isn't much much of a much of an appeal to me at this stage. Um, such a big game, isn't it, Jace? For one, for one so young, Jace Cole Walker Peters, you just think yeah. it's such a big game to put him at risk, and yeah, I don't want to be. It it's such a, he's a kid still, isn't he? Really, I mean, to put him in that stadium, you know, it's it's just hurt me horrible. It's such a massive, massive game. I don't think it's found the kid as much as as much as us. No, I think we'll we'll have the back three. I think Jan will sit back in as one of the back three, and I think he'll do like he did in Applewell. He'll end up playing Trippier on the left and Aurier on the right, um, which you know is far from ideal for me. Certainly going forwards, but but I think we'll get a lot more. To, don't forget, you know, it's a it's a strange type of game, isn't it? We we usually dominate the ball. Let's be fair about it. They'll dominate the ball tomorrow. You know, we're usually looking to play on the front foot and we, we just won't have that opportunity to to play on the front foot tomorrow. And, and Emma's right, it's it's about players keeping their heads all over the pitch. And and actually, when you look, the, the types of games that, the types of teams that have gone to Madrid are the teams, in fairness, that that have played on that stage a lot of football. So they won't get caught up with the whole thing of being in the Bernabeu. You know, it, it is Bayern Munich's and Roma's and, and Juve's and AC Milan, Barcelona. Barcelona, even even Woolwich, dare I say it? You know, they're teams that have been on the the Champions League stage for a lot of that time, and they they've played at the Bernabeu, they've played at the New Camp, they've gone to Bayern, they've gone to the San Siro's, and so those players are far more comfortable and less likely to to be sucked into the atmosphere. And and I just think you know a little bit of inexperience on that stage might might count against us tomorrow. Yeah, just very quickly though, Jace, where do you stand generally in the whole Danny Rose? I don't know what you want to call it in the end, the saga. We had the calendar thing the other week where Potch said it's because the player was left out because he didn't set the parks. So there's nothing about it. You know, Jason, potentially look, tomorrow night, if he does come on, there's not a bigger, better game to come on and have an effect, is there? Well, it's, a, it's a great chance for him to, to get himself back yeah. in the good books. But, you know, like I say, I think he, he, has to, he just has to get himself fit, first of all. Get himself fit, get himself physically fit, get himself mentally fit. Make sure he's, he's fully committed to the calls, and, and then we'll have a better idea about Danny Rose. Yeah, indeed. in terms of the calendar, just just a one on the calendar. Mm. If, if don't forget, I'm, I'm actually quite pleased because if he's not on the calendar, that's a sign of him going. Then I presume we won't need stories from the tabloids saying Kane, Dyer, Toby Eriksson, and Ali are leaving for 12 months because they're all on the calendar. <laughs> so you know, by that token, we won't we shouldn't see any red tops stories about those players. No, that's very true. That's a great point. Coming over to you, Dustin. We've seen the likes of Ericsson out of Viral saying that, look, when we go there, we, don't be put, we won't be putting Real Madrid on a pedestal. We're going there to put our game across. You know, we want to prove how far we've come. That's got to be the right attitude, isn't it? Because if we go there with fear, it's going to translate you with thinking a negative result. We want to go there, be positive and hopefully come over a point at least. Dustin, is that being too positive? What do you think? 
Well, I mean, I think if we would get a point, uh, let, let's be honest. I think if, if for any of us, if, if we were to come away tomorrow night, or t- pardon me, tonight uh, with a point uh, at the Bernabeu, then we would be beyond thrilled. I would be absolutely ecstatic if we got any kind of a result uh, tonight. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's, there's a calculated risk here because if we do go out and we try to p- impose our game upon uh, Real Madrid, there is still the chance that we could get blown out of the water uh, just because of the sheer amount of talent that they have. I look back to a game, uh, another Champions League game, the, the, the one we played against Dortmund, uh, where we actually were, we ended up kind of sitting back and absorbing a lot of pressure and hitting back on the counterattack. And it tended to work really, really well. It was pretty effective against Dortmund. Uh, and, you know, we didn't see as much of the ball. You wouldn't say that that was necessarily kind of the Tottenham way of playing, but it was no doubt effective. And we were able to, uh, to, to get a really important win at home against Dortmund. It would not surprise me at all if we see something similar uh, out of Pochettino. Um, at least in the initial stages, I wouldn't be surprised if we are, uh, if we do set up and end up kind of in a counterattacking um, uh, tactics, uh, just in order to kind of soak up pressure and maybe hit back, try to nick a surprise goal in the early goings, and then from there, you know, then then that's that's a decision. I mean, I'm not Pochettino. I'm not going to try to tell how to play, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know the. It, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if we come out and, and play more of a counterattacking game, especially against a team that is that talented. Yeah. Okay, well, let's wrap it up then. Let's get some predictions. Emma, going to come around to you first. You're in Madrid for us tonight. Uh, ahead, well, like I say, ahead of this massive, massive game. We can't thank you enough because the connection, bless her, she's really hung in there for us. Emma, give us a prediction for tonight. You've, you've sacrificed yourself for us tonight. We appreciate it. Tell us what you think. Oh, my God. Um, I don't... <laughs> Is it really lame if I cop out and say I don't know? I just think. I think it. Is Harry Kane going to score, Emma? Is Harry Kane going to yes. score? He yes. is going to score. Okay. Okay. That's good enough. That's for us. as far as I'm going. Okay. We'll, we'll <laughs> let you off, Emma. We'll let you off. The, the typical journalist there, Emma Story, sitting on the fence. There you go. Uh, I'm too scared. I'm <laughs> no, too I know. No problem. I think we understand that. Jace, are you going to give us a prediction then for tonight? I've got to be honest, mate. I think our inexperience of that type of thing will show, and I think we'll get beat 2 0 out there. Okay, so don't, don't think we're going to get on the score sheet, Jason. I think the, impo- I think the important thing is that we, we definitely don't get battered out there because there is that second leg to come. Mm-hmm. And I think, anyway, when it's, when it's in the, the, the group stage basis, you know, there's not so much impetus on them to, to open up a three or four goal lead and put the tie to bed in the first leg and things like that. So. I think, you know, they'll be comfortable with getting the game won and and maybe, you know, switching off as the later in the game goes and, and maybe that'll be our best chance to, to get something if their levels drop a little bit. And I know that sounds negative and everyone will say, you know, have a little bit more faith and confidence in the side. But, you know, Real Madrid are a different level to, to anyone else we've played in recent years. And I think just a, a touch of reality has to come into my prediction. Yeah, just very quickly, I mean, we, you speak about there about the... The, the, the scoreline, is it critical that we don't <laughs> get beat by a massive scoreline? Because obviously of how tight this group is, you would like to think, you know, Madrid probably definitely going through. It's going to be a toss-up between us and Dortmund and therefore really the goals against the goal scored, it's, it's critical in this group, isn't it? That we don't allow a team to thrash us. Not that we are going to get thrashed tonight. Do you see my point? No, absolutely. You never want to get stuffed by any side in, in a major way, do you? And with, as I say, with that second game to come, you know, mm-hmm. If you go there and, and get beat by four or five, you, you suddenly mm-hmm. have the trepidation for the, for the second game and, and then confidence is at a real low ebb going into the Liverpool game the weekend. Yeah. I think, you know, if it's 2-0 after 70 minutes, you know, Tottenham don't have to go stupid and think, OK, we've, we might well have lost this game, but let's, you know, let's be fair, 2 nils not not a complete disaster in terms of, of us moving forward from here. And I don't think we'd get ripped to pieces in the media if we go there and got beat 2-0. So a little bit of damage limitation rather than, than going gung-ho for 20 minutes and, and getting in, getting beat by three or four. Yeah. Well, let's bring it around to you, Dustin. Can you end us on a positive, potentially, Dustin? What do you think? <laughs> oh, that's a lot of pressure, man. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think, in all fairness, and I'm kind of with Jace on this one, uh, in all fairness, I think when we were drawn into this group in particular, you looked at this this fixture and you said, that's a, that's a loss. Uh, and I, I don't think it's uh, necessarily a, uh, a detriment to my character as a Spurs fan to say that. But, no, uh, right. yeah. you know, it, it's it's a super tough game. It's it's a legitimate uh, 
platform game, as we as we say over here. Uh, and you know, I, I don't think it's it's uh, necessarily a, a knock on the side to say that we're going that we could potentially really struggle and and and, uh, and and not get a result. That said, I, I it would not surprise me, however, if if we uh, even in a loss, if we are able to show that at least we belong and that we can hang uh, with the likes of, of of the Madrid at the Bernabeu. Uh, so you know, I. I my prediction uh, would be a three-one loss, but I think Kane will score, and I think we will not look out of place. And I think that's about uh, that. That that would feel good to me, uh, especially in, in such a challenging matchup. If, if we can kind of come out there and say, "Hey, this was a moral victory, and, and we can we can we got beat, uh, but we got beat by the best team in the world." Uh, we can kind of hold our heads high, and then we can take it to them at Wembley. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go against the grapevine this, uh, tonight, and I'm going to suggest... Well, I'm going to suggest, I'm going to do more than just suggesting. I think we're going to get a point. Uh, call me crazy. I do think our defensive record recently has been pretty decent on the road. We've been phenomenal, like we've seen this season in the Premier League. There's no reason why we can't go and do that at Real Madrid. If we can show up, can put in a performance, and don't get intimidated. For me, there's no reason with the quality we've got in attack, the likes of Hummin Son, Harry Kane, Christian Eriksen, you know, we've got a midfield there, whoever plays, Harry Winks, great retainer of the ball, Moussa Dembele, fingers crossed, he's fit, we've got Sergio bombing down the right, I just fancy for a point, I don't know why, going to be a very, very tough game, really looking forward to it, Emma, I cannot thank you enough for coming on this evening. It has been one hell of an experience. I'm sure the guys out there all appreciate you battling for it for us. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Sorry if I sounded like garlic in part. No problem at all. We'll get, we'll get you back. No problem. <laughs> we'll get you back on, Emma, when um, the signal was a bit better and you're back on home territory. Thank you again. And Dustin, thank you also for making your debut tonight. It's been a real pleasure having you on. Well, thanks so much for having me. I, I really enjoyed uh, being here with you tonight, and uh, I hope I can come back again. Yes, definitely. Like I say, don't be a stranger. We'll definitely get back in touch with you very soon. And, Jace, we're going to be back doing this game on Thursday evening. So, hopefully, Jace, we're talking about a positive result. Yeah, despite my prediction, I just, just hope everyone enjoys it and we can pull off something really special, that's for sure. Yeah, there's most certainly, these are the games, Jace, very quickly, these are the games you relish, isn't it? As a Tottenham fan, if you can't enjoy this, you won't be able to enjoy any game, Jace, can you? Oh, exactly. I mean, you know, it's not just this one, is it? That, that fixture list for, what, the next, was it eight games or whatever? Yeah. Because no disrespect to Crystal Palace, it's, it's the type of fixture list you want, isn't it? It's, you know, when you, you see those, those fixtures come up, you know you're in the big tournaments, in the big games and... And as any fan, you want to be involved in those big games. We do indeed. And like you've just said there, big games, no bigger than this evening. Guys, safe trips if you're on your way to the game. And as always, as we roll into Real Madrid tonight, all that is left to be said, come on you Spurs! Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.